Hallelujah. I've learned in um, my years of walking with the Lord, 26 years now, that uh, I'm not surprised or not to be surprised by the power of the Holy Spirit. I am sometimes surprised by the timing of the Holy Spirit, and I think that's something we can all remain open to and, uh, and should be. Uh, last week, it was really a privilege. Thank you for those of you that were here to be such a uh, so much feedback, and so many people were blessed by hearing the description of uh, and some clarification on what it means to be indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Pastor Lynn asked me after that message to carry that a little further and to take it to the baptism with the Holy Spirit. So that's amen, and, and that's, this is some pretty heavy-duty stuff here, but before I share that, I'm very, I'll tell you, I'm very, very excited, but I want to pray first, and then we're going to jump right into the Word in the remaining time we have left. <clears throat> it's remarkable how certain Scripture, before I pray, repeats itself um, uh, in, you know, throughout the course of the morning, and this will be the third time that the seed and the 30, 60, 100-fold harvest has come and been dropped into my heart, including what Brother Drew just uh, used in, during his introduction. So I'm going to pray this way. Father, produce good fruit inside of us by your Spirit that dwells within us and is visible and blesses others. Lord, in our lives, we want you to have all the glory. Our desire is that you be glorified in all that we think, all that we say, and all that we do. We want to be good soil that produces 30, 60, and 100-fold Father, we ask that you lead us by your Holy Spirit in us to bear good fruit. Also, Father, we ask you today that your Holy Spirit come upon us this morning with a fresh baptism, both with power and fire. Help me, Holy Spirit, to deliver this word in a manner that is both accurate and pleasing to you. May no person leave this place today the same as they entered. This is a prayer of my heart, and I've had a couple days... Uh, to, to ask the Holy Spirit how this should go. And so I'm going to jump right in here, but I need to give a, a bit of an introduction uh, to the importance of the Holy Spirit. Let's make no mistake that when we're in a setting like this, there is social joy that we experience with each other and, and, and uh, friendship and brotherhood. We do not want to confuse that with the presence of the Holy Spirit. When you've walked into other places where it's friendly, you've walked into someone's house where, it's so, where you, you sense a camaraderie, what you're sensing in a place like Valley Church is beyond just human camaraderie or just sensing a human social interactions because we enjoy being with each other. So many of you have said, including what we saw today, that what you're sensing is, is, is something that is beyond what we're able to produce ourselves, And you're sensing the presence of the Holy Spirit. We had an orientation on Wednesday for new members in our church, and there were over 30 people there and probably another 10 people who couldn't make it but wanted to make it. And they universally say that when they walk in the doors of Valley Church, they sense something different. This is a beautiful facility. It's been carefully designed. Uh, the Rutsons had stewarded this ministry for so many years with love and care and attention to bring us to this point. 
For the last years, Pastor Lynn has been, and his wife Renee have been the leadership that have brought us to this point. But it is the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that you experience this morning. It is the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that leads a new couple like the two we just had a chance to witness their public proclamation of their, transforma- of their inward transformation at baptism by water today. That couple walked in the door last week and heard truth. And it resonated with them. But I think as importantly, they sensed the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's not something that we can produce. It's not something that we can manufacture. If you've sort of used the term Holy Spirit almost like a vernacular that just rolls off your tongue, this is a day I'm going to ask you to stop and be careful how we refer to the very Spirit of God that dwells in a place, that dwells upon a place, and that dwells inside of us. We need the Holy Spirit. Church programs cannot replace his presence. The praise of man cannot replace his power. Strategy cannot replace his spirit. Methods cannot replace his miracles. And our performance cannot generate his praise. We need the Holy Spirit as a body together, and we need the Holy Spirit as a body individually. Last week, we spoke about extensively about the way that God has made us to be in a, uh, in a constructive sense. We talked about the biological um, man, if you will, and we talked about the soul man. And the soul man, if you recall, many people would refer to that as your personality or maybe your self. And we clarified and, dis- and drew distinction between your body, which, are, which, are, which would be the, your muscles and your bones and your flesh and your blood, and it's your biological body, that is your connection to the outer physical realm. It's how we sense with our five senses what's going on around us in the physical realm. We can hear, we can see, we can taste, we can smell, and we can touch. Our body is the ability for us to interface with those around us. Our body also gives us portability so we can move. Our body also gives us the ability to project power and force by moving, pushing, touching, picking things up. But really who we are is not actually our body. Who we really are and what generates uh, how our body conducts itself is our soul. And we went through some length. I won't go through it now uh, in great depth. But by way of refresher, we talked about our mind. So our soul is comprised of three major elements. Our mind, our emotions, and our will. Our mind is where we're thinking and processing uh, all that stimuli that's coming in from the outside. Our emotions are creating and determining how we feel about that, good, bad, or otherwise. And our will is where the decisions are usually made, and that determines what we're going to do about it. So that's the physical man, then the soul man, and there is the spirit man. And we talked at some length about the spirit man is dormant, is dark, is dead until you have been forgiven of your sins, repented of your sins, and received the indwelling, the inner occupation of your body or your spirit by the Holy Spirit. You go upon salvation, you go from dark, dormant, and death in your spirit, man, and it becomes alive 
just like that when the Holy Spirit dwells within you. So we talked of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and we refer to the Holy Spirit often, in, and the Holy Spirit is, is truly my best friend. And my heart's desire for you would be that for everyone in this room, if you don't know the Holy Spirit yet personally, that dwells within you upon your salvation, Holy Spirit himself has been sent to dwell within you, to converse with him. And we went through these things and talked about how Holy Spirit will lead you through your, your walk. So today we're going to talk about something else. I'm going to try to compare and contrast the discussion today to draw a distinction between the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the infilling to fullness of the Holy Spirit. Those are two separate occasions, two separate spiritual experiences, but can be confused um, in church environment or if we roll past language too quickly that others are maybe not following along. Depending on the church culture you came from before, uh, this church is a non-denominational church, but, but by its nature means we're multi-denominational because everyone came from somewhere and many of us came from other denominations. And so you might be coming into this message this morning with some other thoughts and some other, and other background and even maybe quite a bit of, extent of experience or education in that regard. Let's talk about how the scripture first. When in doubt, I don't try to figure it out myself. There's two things I do. I ask Holy Spirit and, Holy, and I look at the Word. And so I want to balance the Spirit and the Word here a little bit. First of all, in regard to man having the Holy Spirit dwell in us as opposed to upon us, that will be today's discussion, we can find in a... And, and I like this scripture because this, is, this will be Titus, Linda, Titus uh, 3. I like this scripture because it wraps up in a very nice package the salvation experience. It, ra it, it discusses the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And it also then speaks of the pouring of the Holy Spirit upon you. So let's read in Titus chapter 3, starting at verse 4. So here we go. But, this is the New Living Translation, but... When God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. So we did not earn our salvation. There's nothing we can do. There's not, we can't serve in a church and expect that serving in a church will yield our salvation. We are saved by his mercy and grace. So, starting again, when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, two dominant characteristics of God, he saved us not because, of our, not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. We'll keep going. He washed us of our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. That there would be referring to the new birth and the new, so you've heard born again, I'm a born again Christian, new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. That is referring, to, in this case, to the Spirit dwelling in you. You have a new birth and a new life. Your spirit man has come alive. You are alive. You have been activated inside of your spirit. You are now alive and you're bio, you've been born biologically and you have been born now spiritually you have been born again by the residence, the residence of the Holy Spirit inside of you. 
He has the same zip code you do. He has the same mailing address. He lives where you live and he goes everywhere with you and he unfortunately hears every word you say. He knows every thought you have. He knows every deed you have also done. But the beauty of this is not for conviction. That can be one of the benefits of having the Holy Spirit dwell within you. But it's for instruction and for guidance and to lead you and to help you. For there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus, the Bible says. So although Holy Spirit can get your attention at certain times with certain elements, when he's dwelling or residing inside of you, his real purpose is to guide you, to lead you, to bring you along that process that we refer to often in a church setting as sanctification, but I like to say transformation, to become more like Jesus as we go through our walk and we get closer and closer to the day that we will meet him in heaven. So that's where we are. He washed away our sins, gave us a new birth, a new life, and through the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. Now listen to this. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. He generously, lavishly, he poured out the Spirit, capital S, the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. So what is the second part of this scripture talking about? Now, there are plenty of other scriptures I could have chosen, but I chose this one because I think it wraps it all together in a pretty good package. There's a salvation experience, but, and there is the dwelling of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And then there is the generosity of our God to not only have His Spirit, the Spirit of God, taking up residence inside of us to guide us and to lead us and to comfort us and to be our friend, He then generously pours out His Spirit upon us. That experience is often, depending on the background you've come from, is often referred to as baptism with the Spirit. It's sometimes referred to as an infilling, an infilling of fullness. So rather than only having the Holy Spirit dwelling in a certain part of you, he, you are filled with all parts, and all of you is filled with Him, not just your spirit, man. And we went back and forth, and I jumped around on the platform last week a little bit, but it's not just being filled with the whole, or having the Holy Spirit reside inside of you and still have the soul man, this is your mind, this is your emotions, and this is your will calling the shots, who's calling the shots inside of you? When it manifests on the outside and you say something, you see something, you do something you should do, or you don't do something you should do, or you don't do something you, you do, where are these actions being driven by? Unless other intervention is permitted in your soul man, unless you turn on a more regular basis to your spirit man and the spirit of God dwelling inside of you, the majority of your actions and thoughts and emotions are generated by what you detect through your body and what's happening in the world. That is a painful, dreadful way to live. Even when you know Jesus and you've had, received his forgiveness, and he's come to dwell inside of you. Probably 10 years went by, lapsed between my salvation experience and my baptism in the Holy Spirit experience, and it was exhausting. I knew I had the Holy Spirit inside of me. I knew that he wanted to help, and I knew what he was telling me to do, but my soul man was still too strong because too much of what occurred, it was a struggle, Who's going to call the shots? Me, myself, myself with a capital M. 
So is it me, myself? Am I calling the shots? Or am I going to allow Holy Spirit dwelling within me to call the shots? So God gives us the helper, gives us a helper, and he's to lead us. The distinction with the baptism of the Holy Spirit is it's an overcoming experience. It's a victorious experience. It's an empowering experience. It is receiving the Holy Spirit in a way that is all-consuming. I like the comparison of baptism. Uh, I'll say that for one moment. Excuse me. Jesus himself said in John 16, 7, by the way, that he will send us a helper. And if we look at that, it says, nevertheless, this is Jesus speaking, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do go away, the helper, now he's still referring at this point to the helper, that would be the indwelling, that would be the Holy Spirit taking up residence in you. There's more to come, though, on that. I will send the help, um, if I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So let's draw some distinction a little bit between the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Indwelling is taking up residence. If you think about your own house, let's just say wherever you live, and if you have one room in your house, think of the smallest room you might have. And you put Holy Spirit in that room. He might be in residence in that house, but he's not running that house. He's not the master of that house. I like thinking of the Holy Spirit when you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. So you're giving him the whole house. And that includes your soul. That's your mind. Holy Spirit, have my mind. Holy Spirit, have my emotions. Holy Spirit, make all the decisions for me. And yes, Holy Spirit, take my body and use it for your purposes. I surrender myself physically to you, Holy Spirit, to control me. Having the Holy Spirit dwell within you upon salvation is somewhat of an inward experience. The manifestation outward that empowers you is the baptism in the Holy Spirit when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit in fullness. So rather than just occupying one room in your house, he occupies the whole place. He occupies the driveway. He occupies the yard. Right on down to the mailbox is where he occupies. It's freeing. It's liberating. It's not scary. I can't imagine now, knowing what I knew as a before unsaved man, for 33 years unsaved, 33 of my 57 years, and then walking 10 years, praise the Lord, when I had a regeneration experience, I was regeneration, my, my spirit man came alive, and the Holy Spirit, my best friend, came to live with me. But there were 10 years that went by before I heard someone share what I'm sharing with you today. But I knew then there was more. I knew God, our God, and the God I became very familiar with because of the Holy Spirit dwelling in me, and I talked to him all the time. God doesn't set us up for failure. He gives us everything. In fact, he gives us more than we could use, but he gives us everything we need to be empowered, to live a victorious, to live an overcoming life, to, to, to turn away from sin, and to laugh at demons, and to be confident in our empowerment and walking for, forward. Now, this sounds wonderful, and I appreciate your feedback, but I can't go forward 
without two, but one quick illustration, and I've got to, I want to give you some biblical scripture that lays out the biblical foundation of these two distinct processes. So this isn't just to cheer you up, it's also to equip you, part of our mission state, equip, by the way, our mission statement, which I mentioned, mentioned last week at our church, to equip and empower you to fulfill your purpose in Jesus, equip and empower, that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit equips you, the infilling of the Holy Spirit empowers you. So captured right there in those few words is everything you need to know. You just have to grab it, walk in it, and allow that overpowering, overwhelming um, presence of the Holy Spirit to control and lead you. Uh, water baptism, that was very, very important, a public proclamation. And uh, the distinction between being baptized in water and being baptized by the Holy Spirit is what's coming upon you and why. You're being baptized in water, that's really being baptized as a public proclamation of your inward transformation, and it means that you have received forgiveness of sins, you've repented, and you've received forgiveness for your sins. It's a wonderful, glorious moment. And in our church, we even pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit at that moment. But there can be, and usually is, a distinctly separate process. It's usually not the same moment. There are those who are born again and baptized and even in water and baptized in the Spirit simultaneously. That is more the exception than the rule. So as you're listening to me today, you might think, well, I've been baptized and I've even gone, you know, the expression gone, I fell under the Spirit. I, I, I fall on the floor. That does not mean you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. That means you've been moved by the power of the Holy Spirit. You've been moved by His presence does not mean you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Baptizing the Holy Spirit does take a substantial amount of surrender because you are, in essence, surrendering. This is the hard part. You're surrendering your soul man. You might be able to pull your physical man into discipline, but controlling your thoughts and surrendering them to the Holy Spirit, controlling your emotions and allowing your emotions to be generated by the Holy Spirit and not by your circumstances, and allowing your actions to be controlled by the Holy Spirit and not by your circumstances. That is not quite so easy. Because you know, the, one of the parts of the word self is the root word to selfish. So soul is synonymous with self. And we are, by our sinful nature, selfish. Until we have been consumed in our entirety by the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, Holy Spirit is our friend. But let's make sure we enjoy the cuddly time internally with him because that's why he's there. But he wants to give us the, he wants to baptize you with his power and fire so that you can be useful for his kingdom, for his glory. It is useful to you as well, but, it, uh, but, it, but he's doing it for the kingdom purposes. Let's jump into some scripture quick because I want to make sure it's really clear to you that there's biblical foundation for the distinction between these two events. Probably a good place to start would be Matthew 3. Where before Jesus even began his ministry, I'll set this up for a moment uh, in, in chapter 3, John the Baptist was baptizing people to repentance by using water. And John the Baptist spoke of Jesus and he spoke of this additional baptism when he was uh, in chapter 3, verse 11. I baptize, this is John the Baptist speaking. John the Baptist. I baptize with water those who repent, that means turn around, turn away from. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. 
You saw the illustration yesterday, the world, my sins, my sinful nature, my selfish nature, and you turn to God. And in this church, it works out very well because there is the cross. So are we getting getting our guidance from the cross or are we getting our guidance from the world? And heaven help us. Heaven really help us. Heaven help us. If we're getting our guidance for spiritual guidance from the world versus from what has resulted from the cross. And what results from the cross is that indwelling of the Holy Spirit in addition to your forgiveness of sins. But what John the Baptist says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not worthy to even be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize, this person he's referring to, John says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. What does fire do? It, bur- it consumes. There's a, whoa, I'm gonna, I don't want to be consumed yet. It's a consuming fire, and it burns away yourself, as well as other on the outer side. But let that consuming fire burn up yourself, so your own self-will, your own self-thoughts, um, uh, uh, and your own um, desires turn from being entirely focused on either self, inward, or outward, what do people think of me, or what does the Heavenly Father think of me? So John the Baptist indicates here, I'm baptizing with water for repentance, but I'm not even worthy of baptizing, of carrying this, I'm not even worthy to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So you may hear if you're receiving prayer at some point in a setting like this church or others, you may hear people be praying over you who will be praying different things as it is to, when it comes to receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you may hear people say, fire. And you might wonder what that is. Fire. Why would someone say that? It's because it says in Scripture on multiple occasions that you're to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That's before the ministry of Jesus began. And I guess for time, I won't elaborate on this very much, but give the statement, Jesus did get baptized by John the Baptist, and what happened immediately after he was baptized? The Holy Spirit came upon him. Jesus was baptized in water, and then the Holy Spirit, as, as, as a dove, came upon Jesus, and he was empowered to, to begin his ministry. That's where the formal ministry of Jesus began, after water baptism and after baptism with the Spirit of God. So how about after Jesus' ministry? So Jesus' ministry on earth, and um, we kind of go through the New Testament, the different things that happened. We, we know that Jesus died on the cross for us, he was, he was, and then was resurrected. We also know that before he ascended to heaven, he appeared to um, his apostles at different times. But after all of that, if we go towards the tail end of Acts, the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, there's a couple of accounts where the disciples or the apostles speak of this. They themselves speak of this additional baptism. So I'm going from the beginning of the ministry of Jesus, cutting, cutting, skipping past a whole lot of stuff, and we'll go towards now the, the Jesus has come, and he has been uh, crucified. He was resurrected. He, he did reappear to, to uh, numerous people while he was on earth before finally ascending to heaven. So this is after the Pentecost. So I'm going to go this way, that way, and then come back again. But I want to distinguish with you the apostles were teaching, including Paul, 
who wrote the majority of the New Testament, that these, the spirit baptism is separate from the water baptism. Not that one is better than the other. It's just a sequential process of building on this sanctification. It's an equipping process. Equipping and empowering. So here we go. Let's take a look at Acts 19. And here's Paul. So here's what's going on. Apollos, Apollos and Paul are traveling and ministering. Apollos goes one way to go to Corinth, and Paul goes the other way. And if you take a, take a look at Acts 19.1, I'll read this to you. Paul comes upon some um, disciples, and disciples are followers of a teacher. And since this is referred in the context of the Bible of disciples, this would be disciples of Christ. So here Paul comes along some disciples, and look what happens. I'll read it to you. Read along on the monitor. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, now listen to this, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Paul then said, and Paul said, uh, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, meaning forgiveness of your sins. John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, when they said, okay, great, been baptized in water, we're going to be baptized now by Jesus, by his spirit. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them to, to impart the presence of God, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And so that's over, came upon them. They would have already had the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. The separate process was the Holy Spirit came upon them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Speaking in tongues and prophesying. Tongues is, a, is, a, is some Bible terminology that, that refers to speaking in a language you do not understand. You may, hear someone, you may hear some translations or even as people are speaking from the pulpit saying unknown language or your private prayer language or your heavenly language, but that's what we're speaking about. It's inspired speech by the Spirit that dwells within you to communicate directly with the Spirit of God in heaven, and it is a propulsion that bypasses essentially the soul man, which is a beautiful thing to go bypass that. Very liberating. Get yourself out of the picture. Whoa, it is a remarkable life when you do that. So, so you're able to pray from spirit to spirit. So it's your, his spirit in you to his spirit in heaven. And it sounds unusual. And if you've been in a church service like this, and you may have heard it, maybe when people are praying privately during worship, or you might even hear it from the pulpit a little bit. If, if Pastor Christie's worshiping along and during a transition moment, you might hear that. And you may be very familiar with tongues, but you may come from an environment that doesn't pray in that way. You're used to praying only in English as opposed to praying by the Spirit. But here it is in the Bible. The whole, and and you can, I went through five translations, by the way, and every single one said, and they began speaking in tongues. So that was pretty clear to me. If I'm not sure of a certain translation, I'll look, because you know, you get some different translations, different words, speaking in tongues and prophesying. It doesn't mean they were saved or unsaved. They were already saved. They'd already been, had, they were already followers of Christ, and they'd been baptized. It's not a salvation issue. It's not a question of whether you've been saved or not. It's not a question of whether you're going to heaven or not. It's a free gift. 
It's a gift he wants to give you. It's a gift he wants to give you to empower you, to protect you, to make you an overcomer. And you can receive the gift and take it or not. And maybe today isn't the day to receive it and take it. We will be praying for those that would like to receive the indwelling and overfilling power of the Holy Spirit to be baptized in the Holy Spirit today before the service is over. Then I would encourage you to take a gift that is being offered to you. But it may not be for you today, but I will tell you the Bible does say it's for all believers. So for a little more evidence, if, you're, if your mind is still controlling the, where you are right now, and I know we're in different places in different parts of the room, but if your mind is still controlling you and you're thinking, ah, sounds great, that's one scripture passage. Well, there's others, but I, just for fun, I picked another one. And that's also an act. So the first one was Paul. Now this is Peter and John. And Peter and John are actually in Jerusalem at the time with the other apostles. And they get the good news that in Samaria, a nearby region, nearby country, that in Samaria, they had received the word of God and become believers. So that'd be like saying, oh, hey, we heard there's an outpouring in Twin Falls. And there's a, there's a bunch of believers there. And so what they did was the disciples were then um, dispatched. In this case, it was Peter and John were dispatched to Samaria to do what? Let's take a look at Acts 8, verse 14 to 17. And I'll read this here. Here, here we go. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that, in Twin Falls, Twin Falls had received the word of God. They sent to them Rick and Lisa. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Peter and John, who came, they sent to them, so they sent disciples. They were followers of Christ, and they happened to be apostles. Um, they sent to them Peter and John, who came, who, who came down and prayed for them that they might what? That they might what? So if they're already believers, they're already followers, what do they need the Holy Spirit for? It's that additional gift. It's not the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that we spoke of at length last week. No, this is an additional gift. And that gift brings many other things too, but for the purpose of today's discussion, it brings empowerment, and typically the initial evidence of receiving that empowerment is the, your personal prayer language being granted to you, your personal prayer language or your heavenly language is, is, again, as I mentioned, often referred to as tongues. And there's a reason for that. So to keep going here, for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet, oh, <laughs> why should they receive the, so receive the Holy Spirit? For he had not yet fallen on any of them. That gives you a sensing it's an external manifestation that occurs. That's why some people confuse it when you fall over under the power of God. You think maybe you're being baptized in the Holy Spirit. You might be. But there's, it could also be another move of God that's putting you down. And that's was wonderful in its own. That may not necessarily mean it's a baptism in the Holy Spirit. You'll know when it is because you'll feel power and you'll feel fire and you'll feel emboldened like you've never have before. So, for he had not yet, he, meaning the Holy Spirit, had not yet fallen on any of them. But they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, keep it on this translation, but I'll just share with you that that, that last sentence where they then laid their hands on them, if you look at the amplified version, says one by one. It's an individual impartation to receive, to receive, to receive to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You'll see that today, and you may see that at some other services in the future, specifically to receive the Holy Spirit. 
We'll be praying for those who would like to receive the Holy Spirit a little bit more in the service before we wrap up, but I'm going to allow enough time to do that by the power of God. So we've had the apostles talking about it, but I like the parts of my Bible that are in red letters. Because in red letter Bible, that means Jesus is saying it. And then so compare all the translations you like. I'm not a theologian nor am I a preacher. I am a son of God who has been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so that empowerment allows me to talk with you today about something that's very, very real. I'm not trained on any of this, as you can probably tell. But this is real to me, and I'm just sharing with you what's real to me. So, but, so here we go. What's Jesus say about this? In fact, Jesus speaks of it. Uh, we can look at Acts 1, verses 4 to 5. Here he gives them an order and a promise. An order and a promise. So when Jesus tells you to do something, probably should do it. And when he gives you a promise, he is definitely going to do it. So here we go. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. And while staying with them, so he's hanging out with them. This is uh, um, in Acts 1. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. To wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you, which he said, excuse me, uh, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water. Now, is this getting this sound familiar to you? John baptized with what? John baptized with what? All right. But you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. It's a promise he intends on keeping. And it's a promise that if you ask him for it, he will grant you that baptism, that wonderful, wonderful empowerment that comes upon you. In Luke, the similar event at the similar time frame is also captured. And I think for the sake of time, I'm going to need you just to jump down to the last couple verses there. um, Where Jesus is talking first, it starts out where he says, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And uh, I guess I'll read it from the beginning. Sorry, Linda. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to, uh, and said to them, this, thus it is written that, that, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning with Jerusalem. Now here's the part I wanted you to catch. You, he's speaking to his disciples, are the witnesses of these things. And this is the verse I want you to land with. And behold, this is Jesus, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. We just heard that in another account. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Now I want to draw your attention to this. The clothed with power would indicate somewhat of an external covering over you. Clothed. Clothed with power from where? Not from TJ Maxx, but from upon high. In regards to tongues and the speaking in tongues, the speaking in a prayer language, and, and where is this all coming from, I just want to add one more piece of evidence as documented and inspired by the Holy Spirit in Scripture. 
I'll probably back up. I'd, uh, Linda, if we could look at Mark 16, uh, verse 16 instead of 17. 16. So 16, we'll just put this in context. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Let's see, if we're able to back up to 16, is that possible? Okay. I want to put this in context for you so I don't lose you. We're going to wrap up and pray in just a moment. Whoever believes is baptized, so, sorry, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. That is referring to baptism in water. Now, I, I call this out here because salvation is the most important thing of anything you'll ever get out of a true house of God. In baptism of the Holy Spirit and all the other things we'll learn in a family of God like this are all ads on. Because, here's the warning, so first it's whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. There's a flip side to the coin, everyone. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. So our salvation is the primary and most important part. If you're in this room now and you have not sought the forgiveness for your sins by repenting of that and received the saving grace of the Father that cleanses you of those sins, opens and awakens and makes alive the spirit man inside of you. If you have not received that, no amount of music playing in the background, no amount of laying on of hands, no amount of any of the other things we do as we go through church life together will make a difference for eternity. So salvation is the most important part. But as continuing through, today's topic is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, this is Jesus talking, they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any, with, uh, with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So, Jesus is saying that when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you will be, have the authority to cast out demons. You will have the authority to speak, and the ability to speak in new tongues, and you'll receive these additional gifts. At Pentecost, in the upper room, the apostles received the presence of God and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, wind, rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire. That's why many people refer to this as speaking in tongues. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. That caused quite a commotion because they started speaking in these unknown languages with this new power they had. And the people outside were um, these other uh, spiritual leaders thought they were drunk. And because they were just speaking and, 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 and speaking in a language they didn't understand. They didn't understand the power that had come upon them. In Acts 2, Peter explains, uh, when he's starting to give his sermon, Peter explains to the crowd, Acts 2, 33, being therefore exalted 
at the right hand of God. And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. He explained what, he, what people were seeing and what they're hearing. It was an outpouring of the presence of God. Now, as I close now, I think we have to ask ourselves, if the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is to lead us through this process of transformation and sanctification, and if the additional experience of being baptized with the Holy Spirit is being offered to us by the Father as a gift, wouldn't we want to receive a gift from our loving Father, the same Father who sent His Son to die on that cross for our despicable sins so that we could stand before Him clean and pure and holy? Wouldn't we want to take, receive all that God has for us? And that baptism in the Holy Spirit often includes the evidence of speaking in tongues. And wouldn't we want something from that? Wouldn't we want to be able to speak in a, in a prayer language that is so empowering that we are able to pray in a way that we don't even understand? I'll take 30 seconds to share with you. When I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, it occurred because my wife was seeking more. My wife was seeking more. She knew there was more. She'd been saved before me. I was already, and then I got saved. And she knew there was more. She sensed there was more. And so did I, but I didn't know where to look. My wife was, and I, as a concerned husband, because this was not part of the church doctrine for the church that I was um, born again at or that I had been baptized into. The idea of baptism in the Holy Spirit was not something that had been taught, so I was unaware of it. So when Lisa started uh, researching it, these are the earlier days of the internet, some 20 years ago, I started going on the internet to look up what this baptism in the Holy Spirit was. And I started reading it. And the case was so compelling using some of the verses that I just read to you now. That when I was laying in bed one night, and in, in this case, I was very sick at the time, and I was sleeping in a different room from Lisa. I was by myself. I'm reading these notes. I was awake. I had a fever. All these different things were going on. And this was so compelling. And in my innocence, since I had not any teaching against the speaking in tongues, my innocence, I said, this, Lord, if this is a gift you've got for me, I want it. I want it. Just give it to me. And it's about 1 o'clock in the morning on a cold winter night where we lived, and the window was just cracked open. At the time, we were living overseas where they still have churches that, where the church bell rings every quarter of an hour. So, so you hear that all night long, the church bell ringing every quarter of an hour. I was laying there, and the snow was falling outside. My room was quite cold. I was quite sick. And I just prayed to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And I am here to tell you now, the Holy Spirit will manifest as He chooses upon each of us. Don't expect to see it look the same way to you or the person standing next to you as it does for someone else. Don't feel compelled to fall back or do anything. Just, just, just let Holy Spirit, let Holy Spirit and His goodness overcome you. So for me, what happened was I was, whew. Well, for me, what happened was I was definitely baptized in the Holy Spirit. There was a process of cleansing and deliverance that occurred at the same time. But the outcome was me praying in a spirit language that I had never heard before for about three hours nonstop. And the way I was able to keep track of the time, because you still have some conscious awareness, I could hear the, the, the clock, the church tower clock in the village we lived in, in the mountains. And you could hear dong, dong, and then you could hear dong, dong, dong. And then you could hear. So time was just going, and I couldn't stop. I was just praying and praying and praying. I was just praying in tongues. It was a fantastic feeling. Now, that in itself is quite wonderful, but it's really the outcome that's better than that. 
Because the outer manifestation is one thing. Has there been any change? It changed my entire outlook. I was no longer the apologetic Christian, the one who felt kind of guilty all the time for everything I'd done before I was saved, even though I know I was forgiven. My mind was still controlled. I knew the Holy Spirit dwelled within me, but He had no control over me. I still struggled with the things that, that many of you probably have either have struggled with or still struggle with as a man in my 30s at the time. And Lord, I can't do this anymore. So when I asked him to do that, I was able to walk in such power and confidence. And then I started walking in mer the miraculous. And you see times when there's miraculous at the altar. And you see times when there's people being healed. And I love that. This is a house of God and those things should happen in fullness in the power of the Holy Spirit. For me, I saw it in my workplace. I saw a business thrive. I saw solutions and, and impossible situations be miraculously changed. At one meeting, we were trying to get approval for a major city proje project that we needed city approval to do, major construction project. Everybody in the room, in fact, there's a small farmer village, they actually, I told Pastor Lynn, they, they brought their pitchforks with them because they were so against what this project was going to be. I believe I saw angels sent to be in that room. And the next day, when I got a call from the mayor and he was to share with me the outcome of their decision, I already knew in my mind that this was not going to happen, this project we were seeking approval for. And he came back and said they had, they, and he said, Rick, I don't know how it happened, but we have approved this project. It's been approved despite over, I know how, because the ministering angels came in. So if you look at people who look like they're always at peace, even when a tsunami is coming at them, if you have been with people who look at peace and comfort and confidence and boldness even when the hurricane has taken the roof off their house, or if you see people that can be peaceful and confident when they have seen someone run over by a bus, quite literally in one case, I wanted the power of God to be able to get under that bus and pray for that woman who had been hit in front of my hotel in Honolulu, Hawaii. So how are you able to do that? Not by your own power. You're only going to be doing it by the power of God in you, by His Holy Spirit in you and upon you. So the Holy Spirit is available to you at any time, including this morning. For you that have already been blessed by the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I would just share this with you so briefly. You need infilling. We need infilling all the time. It's not a sign of weakness. It doesn't mean you leak and something's wrong. But no, it's a flow. It's a constant infilling. I won't have time to draw on this today, but there's an infilling of the Holy Spirit that we should be seeking. If you already have received it, please don't be living on manna of 20 years ago. That stale bread. You need that experience and the power of the Holy Spirit now for today, for today's situations. Not last decade, not 20 years ago. The Bible says, by the way, that you need to ask in order to receive. And it even says in Matthew 7, dash, uh, 7 uh, chapter 7, verse 8, for everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Lastly, for those, I've got to move forward here. I, I want to allow time to pray. There, there will be some of you in this room that have a, you might be denied the receiving of this powerful gift because your mind is still controlling what's going on. And your mind is saying, that tongues is strange, it sounds weird, I don't know how that really goes. And even if tongues wasn't an issue, but just the whole, what's this mean? What's it gonna look like? Some of you might be thinking um, that you see how the Holy Spirit impacts the person next to you. And we had some very uh, excellent ministry time last week where Holy Spirit was impacting and manifesting in some ways that were very, very wonderful, very obvious. 
But at the same time, it could be happening to someone very quietly right over here. Don't allow yourself to be lied to by the enemy that says the way I receive the Holy Spirit is the way you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. It's got to look a little different. So for those of you that will be coming forward for prayer in a moment when I ask you to, then don't be thinking about what this looks like and don't be comparing your experience with others. That will be mind games the enemy is playing with you. Oh, and by all means, I would also share this with you. If you'd like to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit today, if you ask your Father for a good thing, He is not going to give you a bad thing. If you ask your Father for a good thing, He is not going to give you a bad thing. If you ask Him for... I'm trying to pull from my head, the, from my memory, the Scripture. If you ask Him for a fish, He won't give you a serpent, snake. If you ask Him for an egg... He won't give you a scorpion, right? Father wants to give you good gifts. He's a loving, wonderful, amazing Father. What you experience in this room in a corporate way, and you come in to be, to be in His presence in ways that our worship team stewards and ushers in ways I'm not sure if I've quite seen even before, because it's so wonderful and so responsible, that same kind of peace, that same kind of rest, that same kind of... Uh, um, uh, experience can be with you and in you and upon you at all times. So let's just rest for a moment in His presence and just ask this quick question to yourself. Would you like to receive this gift? Would you like to receive this gift? If you have already been, what we would say, born again, you're already a professing Christian, and you would like to receive this additional gift, I'm going to ask you in one moment to come forward. And when I ask you to come forward, I'm going to ask you to do it very quickly. Don't wait. If you want to be, to have the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit released upon you, so that you no longer have fear and anxiety, and you're no longer concerned what the world says about you, but you're more concerned about what God says about you. If you don't want to fight this fight anymore yourself, and you want to be floating around like you see some of the members of this church do, floating around because they're in a place of His presence always, not just when they're in the building, but the presence, His presence surrounds you. If you want to be clothed, clothed with the power of God and the presence of Jesus, then you need and, and should desire the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Also, that's number one. Number two is if you've already received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but you know and you just heard that you need to be refilled on a regular basis, in fact, continuously, then I urge you to also come down and receive a new blessing, receive His new infilling for you for today. Not a year ago, not a week ago, not even three days ago, that you receive that infilling from the power and love of God. Now, if you answered either of those questions, yes. I'm going to ask you not to be shy and don't hesitate. If you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you would like to, or if you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but you need a new infilling. So whether you want to walk in complete and total freedom for the first time and receive the gift of praying in the Spirit, a gift of a heavenly language that can encourage you. We should be praying in tongues all the time. 
One time I said, I'm a tongue-praying fool because I'm always praying in my car and everywhere I go. And you have no idea, and we have no idea what's happening in the spiritual realm around us when we're praying in tongues. So when that occurs, you have freedom and power. If you want freedom, power, if you're tired or struggling of these things on your own, and you want the power of the Holy Spirit to guide you and empower you, then I'm going to ask you to come forward. And if, you, if you've already been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but you need a new infilling, I'm going to ask you to also come forward. So please, stand to your feet and come forward now. Come forward now to, release, to receive a release. Come forward now to receive an impartation. Come forward now to receive the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, not only while you're in this room. Come forward now. I'm going to ask you to come forward, and, and to the degree you can make a line, we have our, our Pastor Lynn has asked that the pastors be available to pray. He's asked me to pray for you. And we're going to move through the room pretty fast initially because we're going to do laying on of hands. And, we're going, and so ushers, we'll need ushers to be ready if, if we need ushers. But I'm going to ask you right now to stay focused on the Holy Spirit. Stay focused on His presence. Do not be concerned what's happening around you. Do not be concerned what the person next to you is doing or isn't doing. Give people room. And I'm going to first pray, ask you to pray a responsive prayer that you pray yourself, and then we're going to pray over you. So if you would repeat after me, if you would like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus Christ. Let me hear you. To be my Lord and Savior. Say it as loud as you can. I believe with all my heart. Now I want to hear this very loud. I believe with all my heart that Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is Lord. And I believe that you raised him from the dead. Now I ask that you would baptize me in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of praying in tongues. I believe, Father, that according to your word, everyone who asks, receive. And so, Father, right now I pray over each of these that are here with their hands raised in, the, in, a, in a position and act. Everyone's hand raised in a position of surrender, in a position of uh, submission, that they be ready to receive your baptism. Father, right now, as these beloved before you reach out to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we ask in the name of Jesus that you release your power and the gift of praying in tongues to each of them. Confirm this promise in them right now and let the power of God, along with signs and wonders and miracles, flow through their life like never before. We pray release over you. We pray release over you. We pray release over you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.